0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America N.A. member FDSE.
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Okay, welcome
2: to the show. We are Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. ESPN 2.0. All of our great ESPN stations across the country, Sirius XM Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance Loan, Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. And Michelle Smallman, CC, thinks she's all sneaky today. I know what she did. I saw what you did. What did she she do? The Smallman jersey is up. Oh, yeah. The Smallman jersey is up. The one that she wore yesterday is now up in the studio. She didn't say a word. (laughs) She didn't think we'd notice it. She did the little slip-in to my left, uh-huh. and the Smallman jersey is in there.
3: Well, you guys said to display it, so I just took your
4: lead. <laughs> well, wait a minute, Smalls. We, that's a faux pas. Now, I mean, if you're going to wear the jersey, then that kind of nicks being able to display the jersey. It takes it off the board. The fact that you wore the jersey, and now you're hanging it up in our studio? You're just hanging on the rims.
3: I just delicately draped it over the soccer ball. It was already the St. Louis City SC soccer ball, so I just put it over top of it. I just added to the city over there.
4: Wow. CC, now I feel guilty, (laughs) though. I feel a way about it, Smalls. I can't even lie. Okay, okay. Usually, I would be fine with you putting the finishing touches in terms of decorating our studio. I mean, it's, listen, you and Mega Judge, y'all are phenomenal at that kind of stuff, but the fact that you're putting up your jersey the day after you wore it, I just feel like you're doing, you, you may be doing a little bit too much. Mm.
3: Okay, okay. But I thought it was such a point of conversation on the show that maybe we just go ahead and display it there because it's kind of become part of the show, now.
4: No, I thought the conversation <laughs> led us to, hey, we're not going to hang the jersey up because you've already given the soccer club enough publicity, you wore the jersey, you got the soccer ball in there, now you're hanging up the jersey? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, this ain't the locker room. <laughs> it's hers.
2: Uh, but now I actually feel guilty because we brought it up yesterday, and Nuno, our producer, who I have something on him in a second, by the oh, way. Oh, boy. Uh, he, he brought it up yesterday that she's wearing a jersey with her own name on it, and now she's like never going to wear the jersey again. So now I actually feel guilty about this whole thing because she just gave the jersey away and she can't wear it anymore. Do you want to hear the Nuno story? Of course. Okay. Cece, you want to in on the Nuno story? No, you of do. course. Come I know on. you do. Come Nuno on. is now bathing in boiled water. What? Nuno's heat uh, water heater went out in his house and he has to boil water and pour it in a bath for him to shower now. That's what's happening unfortunately for Nuno. <laughs> oh
5: all right. God. So it was first of all, yes, the, the water heater went out. It's getting replaced today, but I needed it to take a shower yesterday last night. So cuz so I heated up some boiled some water through that. and took a shower uh, took a bath. Like, you got to old school. Like You got to get there, scrappy. They, no, no, I'm Zion, with you. Sometimes you got to improvise. You like, had to you, improvise. Things go left. And in the morning, you he heated up some water. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with a washcloth and call it a day.
1: But N- you know what Nuno
4: this is, though, Nuno, Nuno, right? You, you know what's him. happening, right? <laughs> yeah. The universe is giving you back your karma because of what happened with our ESPN phone tag and not being able to give our Davis on. Oh. What's happening now is you have to get into cold sorry, water hoop, hoop. in order to bathe. First of all, that's what's it, happening. It was my your joke. water heater got taken out by the universe. It's uh, called karma. I don't think Taylor Swift is going to make a song about it, but that's what's <laughs> happening. Two We've things. threatened the cold tub so many times, and now the universe is taken it out of our hands, and they've done the job of getting rid of your hot water heater. So now you have to take baths and showers <laughs> in cold water.
5: First of all, Pat took... One for the team, and he got sick because he jumped in the snow, did a cup of snow angels, so that counted. And no, it was, you got to put that in Mark, air
4: quotes. He got sick in air quotes because yeah, we sick. really don't know what happened. <laughs> and it was
5: yeah. Mark Jones, not Mark. I don't know who you said we were supposed uh, to Mark get.
4: Davis, I'm sorry. I got the Raiders quarterbacks <laughs> franchise tag day. Okay, it all runs together. All right, Excuse me. me, Nuno. Really, hey, Nuno? Don't, don't, don't really? let, don't you let, you let details, get in, way. Don't yeah, let details get in the way of a good story because you know where I'm going with this.
5: I know. Hey, listen, I've reached out to Mark again. Not happening, maybe he doesn't like you guys.
4: Oh, oh wow! Look how he's wow. all right. Wait, that but was, if
2: your that, if your hot cool. water heater goes out, do you boil the water to bathe, or do you take a cold shower? Because I've I've had this happen. I do the quick two second cold shower and get out of there. It's painful, but that's what I've done. I've ne- I don't know that I've done the boil the water and pour it on myself.
3: No, I think I'd go cold shower.
2: Cold shower. Yeah. yeah.
4: I just want to know how long it takes to boil water <laughs> on right. the stove in order to get enough water <laughs> to then <been> bathe in. <laughs> How long does that take?
5: Yeah, is this
2: like a big pot that you have, like at a restaurant? Like, like two huge pots, it's like the yeah. soup no, pots no, at like the restaurants.
4: two huge pots enough. So, so hold yeah, on, dude, no, no, you, run you, water, you run some, right? some water, right? You run some of the yeah, lukewarm exactly. water, exactly. Okay, and then you okay, all right, that makes sense. And you top sense.
3: it off with the boiling water.
5: Exactly. Listen, as, all this is telling me if things go south and we're stranded somewhere, y'all ain't making it out. Like,
2: oh, I wow. think it's, <laughs> it's the exact opposite, actually. I think we're fine in the cold water and no, you, no, need, no, a, you yeah. need an oven. Is what? It, what it, or, or yeah, I, I was about to say says no, more about you
4: than it does us, you know.
5: Me and Smalls, I think we're good. You know, Smalls does all that stuff, right? Like shows into the woods. I think we'll be good. Wait Smalls what? do like lake cabins and all that? Like what? you
3: enjoy
2: that what stuff. Do do? <laughs> what?
3: Of all people, you're picking me to survive.
2: <laughs> Wait, Smalls, do you have something to reveal to us? You go into the woods and do what exactly? You're hunting. What? What is that? Who are you? No,
3: I'm not a hunter. Never okay. been a hunter. Never will be a hunter. But yeah, I'm from the Midwest. I've I've had my fair share of wood time. I think I could survive.
2: Do you, do you realize that Nuno assumes because you're in the Midwest, you live in the woods? <laughs> and He's Smalls. not wrong. Yes, he is. Not everybody in the Midwest. In Chicago, you think you're living in the woods? You think people
5: listening on ESP 1000 now in Chicago are automatically in the woods? Michelle, no, you do the lake. Excuse me. Let me rephrase that. You do all that lake life stuff during the summer, right? You enjoy all that stuff?
3: Yeah, I love a lake moment. Absolutely. <laughs> He's right. He's, He's right. Her. It's
5: cousins. It's cousins.
4: Cousin. I was going I on a boat. I think she's going to let go blue. on a yacht. She's not, she's, she's a, she's she's not she's in a right. paddle boat, no, yeah, she's in a yacht in the Hamptons. That's not the woods.
5: <laughs> wow, Michelle, are you going to let him call you out like that? It's, call you out? Again, We're complimenting her. Again,
3: not wrong. <laughs>
2: I love how somehow Smalls became an outdoors person as a result of Nuno not having hot water. No,
3: I'm definitely outdoorsy. I can hike. I love a bonfire. I've eaten things over a fire. I don't like to camp, though.
2: Well, then that's part of the uh, being in the woods. That's yeah. obviously, no you know.
4: no glamping either, Smalls? I've no never glamping. gone
3: glamping. I'm assuming you have CC though, right? I
4: have not gone glamping, oh, although okay. I'm open to the idea of it. It sounds pretty cool. Like, the, the glamping thing, I could get on board with. Like, it's kind of like you're embracing nature, but not really, because <laughs> you have all of the luxuries of, you know, the modern world at your disposal. I, I just, it's something that would be on the board. Glamping, eh, something about it I might, I might want to investigate. I will go glamping. Yeah, done, I've gone. I've gone
2: camping before. No glamping. Glamping, I'm, like I said. Um, <laughs> what do you think? I mean, I'm using two sticks to. But I mean, here's the thing,
4: Ev. I think Nuno should reconsider his pick if we're going to be on the unsportsmanlike edition of Survivor. Like, yeah. if he takes Smalls in the woods and there's a threat because Smalls is a runner, she runs half marathons all the time. I'm assuming that Smalls will be able to outrun Nuno and Nuno would be left to fend with the threat by himself. I, I just don't think that that's going to work out for him.
2: Well, guess what you just did, CeCe? You just previewed tomorrow at 6.45 a.m. Eastern Time when we do our ESPN personality draft, Survivor <laughs> Edition. Oh, God. That's it. I mean, we got to do it now because now Nuno already took Smalls number one overall. Smalls would take herself as Miss Irrelevant, but Nuno took her, her number one overall.
3: No, if we're talking about our crew, I would not be the last. I, I would not be the first to go. We'll put it that way.
2: Why are you looking at me like this? Wow. I'm just saying. Wow.
3: <laughs> I wouldn't be the first I wouldn't be the last standing, wow. but I'm not the first to go. That's all I that's and who me. would be the first to go? That I don't know, but I promise like it you do. won't be me. Seems it like won't be
2: me. I'm just saying it seems like you do. All right, anyway, um, NBA All-Star weekend, there's still residual effects and fallout from it. Uh, LeBron James, of course, face of the league, right? He was asked about who he sees the next face of the league possibly being.
4: You know we have a, a great young a group of guys in our league right now um, that's playing you know spectacular basketball and also you know are being you know great off the floor as well. But I don't think you just you just say okay, well this guy is the next person to be the face of anything. I just you have to just let it happen organically and um, and see what happens. But we have some great great players in this league um, that can carry anything if they put their minds when they want it.
2: All right, so he's talking about the next potential face of the league. Who could that potentially be? You know what we're going to do? We're going to answer that question coming up. We're on Sportsman like presented by Progressive Insurance.
0: Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority.
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio.
2: Unsportsmanlike is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $750 on average. So LeBron asked the question and was asked the question, excuse me, about the next face of the NBA. If you look at this sport that CC played for 11 years, it truly is remarkable. The transition of the face of the sport it went from Brady to Mahomes like immediately. There was no gap in between. There was no Stefan Marbury, Allen Iverson era uh, offense. I don't mean to be offensive, but like that was the era in the NBA where like before Kobe and Duncan, after Michael, that everybody's kind of like, is this what's happening here? And now we're wondering as to who takes that mantle from LeBron James. So who is that person, guys,
4: that takes the mantle from LeBron? It feels like it's poised to be Anthony Edwards. And I know that the advanced analytics don't love Anthony Edwards, but you are talking about a guy that's a two-time all-star and it's averaging 26 points a game. His team has the best record in the Western Conference, which is the tougher of the two conferences. And I I think in any given game, he can be the best player on either end of the court. I I think that's the player that that it's kind of trending towards when you think about the athleticism that he has on display, the flair that he plays the game with. Um, I think all of those things have to be factored into the math when considering who the next face of the league is. Also, not having any off-the-court baggage makes a difference. I mean, by and large, there, there isn't a whole lot of noise around Anthony Edwards. So, to me, it feels like it's trending in that direction. I, I know a lot of it's going to depend on the team's overall success, and it, rightfully so, but I think it's going to be Anthony Edwards.
3: Anthony Edwards is a great pick, CeCe. He's such a dynamic player. He's already a star, definitely a star in the making, or a star that's rising. But I think I have to go with Wemby. I have to go with Victor Wembanyama. I think about LeBron and how he was anointed pretty early on as the next guy, and it feels like Wemby also took that path. How we were talking about his uniqueness, how we may never see another player in the NBA like this, and he's come in and we've seen that size, the skill, the feel. You know, this is a guy who's seven five and moves like he shouldn't be able to, and I just think that because of the hype around him and because of the brand awareness that already surrounds Wemby, that he's going to be that guy guy. He's going to take the torch from LeBron.
2: I was going to say Wemby as well, and I will go as far to say that it's a disappointment if it's not him, and that is completely unfair, but... The way in which he was hyped coming in, the way in which people were, uh, teams were preparing for the draft like two years out because they knew, uh oh, we could have Wembenyama. So it doesn't matter if we're bad this year, we got to be bad next year, which is kind of what's (laughs) happening now a little bit with this guy, Cooper Flagg, who's in high school. Like nobody wants a first pick in the draft now, they want it two years from now. But a seven foot five guy who handles himself the way that Wembenyama handles himself. His actions have been unbelievable. The way he's responded to things, the way he communicates, his his passions and his beliefs the guy's awesome and oh by the way he's playing for one of the greatest coaches to ever coach this sport I actually think it would be a disappointment if Victor Wembanyama did not take the mantle Mahomes style from Brady from LeBron James it's on him to do that it is unfair I understand that's unfair because he's 20 years old or whatever he is but that is who should be the next face of the
4: NBA Yeah, 40 years ago, I would have agreed with both of you. Uh, I mean, a big man as the face of the league just seems to make sense. But that's not where the modern NBA is. In an era where it's positionless basketball, it's all about the guys that are going to have the ball in their hands in the last five minutes of the game. And I'm not saying Wemanyama won't get his touches under those circumstances, but it feels like it lends itself to more of backcourt players or wing players and that is Anthony Edwards. Now, I know there's some other guys that might have something to say about that. I mean, once upon a time, we felt the same way about Luka Doncic. We felt the same way about Jason Tatum, and that hasn't quite materialized. And I think the thing that keeps those guys from ascending to those heights is the lack of team success, the lack of championships. But But I think it's just a matter of when, not if, when it comes to Anthony Edwards getting to the NBA Finals. In getting some hardware in the trophy case. That's how dominant this kid can be at times. The thing I love about it is it's not all about the stats. It's about doing whatever it takes to win. Uh, And and so I I like the competitive nature that we've seen from him. Uh, And so that's why I lean toward that direction. And I think about something that Tim Vontep said on his podcast going back to before the NBA season started. He said, Anthony Edwards ain't Michael Jordan, but it ain't that far off in terms of the way that it's trending that's how good Anthony Edwards could be. I I think we've seen what he's capable of doing as a player, and he's only scratching the surface in terms of realizing his full potential. I think what we all just
2: did, we picked two players that have had to date some crossover appeal. When Benyama is known by the uh, the non nBA fans because of his size right seven foot five guy mm. who's on like good morning america if i 'm not mistaken before the draft and Anthony Edwards has already been a movie with Adam Sandler like and actually was pretty damn good in the movie hustle like yeah. I, he wasn 't the star of the movie, but there 's crossover appeal personality wise Anthony Edwards definitely has it. You brought up Luca. I don't know why. I don't think Luka is as warm. I don't think he's cold, but I don't think he's as warm to people as maybe the league would love him to be. He's done nothing wrong. I just don't know that fans are buying in in terms of face of the league. Tatum, Tatum's a guy that needs a title. He needs a title yes, in the worst yes, way. Yes, thank you. Uh, and I know he's like 12, <laughs> Like, and we get to this point of needing a title sooner than we ever have, but it feels like – he's been around long enough, despite how young he is, where it's like, all right, he needs a title. I don't know that there's the obvious person here outside of the two we mentioned. I mean, is there anybody else? We can open up for you guys at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776, telephone number to join the show about the next face of the league. I mean, maybe there is an argument that this kid, Cooper Flagg, becomes that. I know that's ridiculous. He's a high school player, but... It's like we have more stars in the league now than we've ever had, but I can't envision any of them going to that level of face. Like, Devin Booker's awesome. Is he face of the league? I don't think so. I don't so. think so. Not yet. Donovan Mitchell, awesome on and off the floor. Face of the league? No. No. Nah. I mean, I know his coach thinks he is. Scotty Barnes of the Raptors. Are <laughs> <You know laughs> <where, laughs> we putting him? all. Wow. Awesome. No, I mean, is there – I don't know that there's the obvious – the, the – Thunder have tons of great young players. Do you think any of them are facing the league? Is Shea facing the no, league? No,
4: no, no, I mean, Shea Gilles is Alexander now. The, the the advanced metrics love SGA. But I, I guess I think about the team success aspect of this, like you said with Tatum and with Donsons so I think that's going to be front and center. And we think about what LeBron James did early in his career. The guy went to an NBA Finals in his age 22 season. Like, I mean, I think a lot of people forget that because of how young he was when he came into the league. But he was 22 years old in the NBA Finals. Like that, that's, that's Those are the types of things that you have to do in order for people to take you seriously as the next marquee for the entire league. You're going to have to have your team ascend to those heights. And if Anthony Edwards is able to pull that off with, I'm sorry, the Minnesota Timberwolves, <laughs> then that holds a lot of weight in comparison to some of the other players that we're mentioning in this conversation.
3: Yeah, like Patrick Mahomes did in Kansas City, right? Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. It's, it's not happening in New York or LA is what I'm getting at, and he's still yeah. the face of the league. The The interesting thing about SGA and that I go back to, too, is the Skims ad that he did with Kim Kardashian because— I didn't he, even know he did that. Yeah, he was the face of the NBA in the Skims ad. I changed my
4: answer. It's SGA.
3: But I, my whole point with Are that... Are we sure,
4: though? Do you, do you want to bet on somebody with such proximity to a Kardashian? I just, just, that's fair. <laughs> but I, what I mean by that is
3: is he's transcending basketball. He's becoming the face of the league through a massive marketing campaign that also became the partner of the NBA and the WNBA. You know, you mentioned Anthony Edwards in the movie. Wemby obviously has international appeal. I think whoever we do anoint as the next face of the NBA needs to have some of that crossover appeal. You need to be transcendent beyond basketball. Basketball because that's what Michael was, and that's what LeBron has become.
2: Eight 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 say ESPN is your telephone number to join the show here on Sportsman Life, presented by Progressive Insurance. Ryan in St. Louis, listening on one hundred and one ESPN, the home of Michelle Smallman.
3: <laughs> hey, good morning, everybody. Morning. Uh, first of all, I want to say, Michelle, we miss you over here at one hundred and one. I always love how you represent the Lou there, and uh, it just uh, we're real proud of you here. Oh, thanks, My take is everybody seems to forget about John Moran. John Morant's been injured. He's been out. He's
2: had some off-court off issues. But whenever he's on the court, he is the most dynamic player in the entire NBA by far. You may be right about his dynamic play. But when you're taking over from LeBron James, who may have been the athlete most in the spotlight, that has zero off-the-court stuff Like we've ever seen the amount of opportunities LeBron James has had in his life to have something pop up that would be deemed negative in real life for him is endless. And guess how many incidents he has zero none. Like there's literally nothing that LeBron James has done that comes close to John Moran's first four or five years, whatever it is in the league. So when we're talking about face of the league, there is this like Teflon nature to it. You go from Brady to Mahomes, there's, no, there's nothing negative there in terms of, like, real-life stuff. If you're going to take over for LeBron, you have some making up to do if you're John Morant.
4: Yeah, you can't go getting into fights with people at malls, and you can't be rolling up to the schoolhouse to try to defend your little sister and fight people. You can't be beating up kids in pickup games. And most importantly, Ev, you can't be flashing guns on social media. Like, those are just some things that you can't do if you're going to be the face of the league just because of the gravity, the weight that that moniker holds. So, yeah, I, I think John Morant is a tremendous talent when he's on the court, but the things that takes him off the court can't be the nonsense that we've seen over the first several years of his career. So that's why I disqualify Ja Morant from the conversation. Now, I know Gen Z loves him, and he's got the Nike shoe deal and all of those different types of things, but I don't trust the character of Ja Morant to allow him to have the kind of sustained success that it would take, in order to merit the consideration of being the face of the NBA.
3: It felt like he was on that path, though, right? Like You, no men- you mentioned no Gen doubt. Z loving him. It feels like every no kid wanted to be Ja. They all yeah. had the jerseys. He was the guy that they looked towards. So he really was on that path, but I'm, I'm with you, CeCe. I think that based on everything that's happened off the court, we kind of have to take him out of this conversation.
2: That draft in general. I mean, Zion, nobody's brought up Zion. Right when when Zion came into the NBA, we all thought he was going to be the next face of the league, power player, athleticism, flying through the air, dunks, etc. And Zion obviously hasn't played that much, right? And has had no played well this year. Yeah, he's played well this year. Number of games and the amount of games eligible to be played so far for Zion has been very low, obviously. And I think that he still may have a chance. It's an outside chance. I wouldn't feel as good about him as I would. He got have on a Anthony better Edwards chance of being in Wimby. the face
4: of man versus food than he does the NBA.
2: Oh, on that note, we're on sportsmanlike, honey. ESPN Radio. <laughs> doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book direct at LQ.com.
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. Time for Canty's NFL Power Rankings. Today is Franchise
2: Tag Day in the NFL, the beginning of the franchise tag season in the National Football League. Teams have, until March 5th, two franchise players... CC's power rankings today. Top five teams. Top five that should teams avoid the franchise tag? How do you want to word this here exactly, CC? Okay, so here's
4: how we're going to word it. The top five players that teams should avoid putting the franchise tag on. That's what we're going to do, okay? Top five players that teams should avoid putting the franchise tag on. Now, there is a rhyme or reason with every specific player that I'm going to mention, so pay attention because this is going to go fast and furious. This is the day that every NFL player hates because the franchise tag keeps you from getting to the real bag, which is the long-term financial guarantees. That's what we want, okay? But we're going to kick this thing off with number five.
1: Number five.
4: The Tampa Bay Buccaneers should not franchise tag Mike Evans. Mike Evans is a guy that's going to give you a 1,000 yards receiving. He's been in the league 10 years. Every year he's the 1,000-yard receiver. Uh, he's going to be a productive player no matter where he goes, independent of whoever his quarterback is, whether it was famous Jameis throwing the ball, Tom Brady, Baker Mayfield. You throw it in the direction of number 13, he's going to come down with the football. But the reason why the Bucs should avoid putting a franchise tag on him Is because they got bigger fish to fry. They got an all-pro safety in Antoine Winfield Jr. that they got to give a long-term contract to. And then, oh, by the way, there is the matter of their starting quarterback, Baker Mayfield. They have to figure that situation out too. So I'm not saying that Mike Evans isn't worthy of being franchise tag. What I'm saying is there are other players that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have to take care of, and Antoine Winfield Jr. should be their top priority as the franchise tag window opens up. Next,
1: number four,
4: number four, the New York Giants should not use the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley. Let me say this again. The New York Giants should not use the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley. He had a decent season, not great, 1,200 yards from scrimmage, but I think the most important thing to recognize is where you are in your program building. First year of Brian Dayball feels like the outlier based on the complexion of 2023 And so now it's a matter of getting your franchise on solid footing, and I don't know that paying a premium for a position that you can get productivity from with a replacement-level player, I I just think that's the direction that the Giants should go. They also have to consider what they're going to do to replace the loss of Leonard Williams. They've got to find another dominant edge rush presence opposite of Kayvon Thibodeau. And then they've got this guy, Xavier McKinney, former second-round pick, that is going to be a guy that warrants consideration for a long-term contract. So there are a lot of other areas of need for the New York Giants, and I don't think that franchise tagging Saquon Barkley for upwards of $13 million makes a whole lot of sense, given where they're at. Number three. Miami Dolphins should not franchise tag Christian Wilkins. Now, the Miami Dolphins are over $50 million over the cap Over $50 million over the cap. Now, they can restructure a lot of contracts for stalwarts like uh, uh, Tyreek Hill and and Teron Armstead and Jalen Ramsey, and and they they can do some cost-saving maneuvers. But paying Christian Wilkins on a long-term deal, you're looking at $25 million a year. I think that's the direction that you go so you can give him a long-term contract that lowers the cap hit in the short term as opposed to franchise tagging him for $20 million because that's what it would be for an interior defensive lineman. I don't think the Miami Dolphins have that kind of cash, especially in an offseason where they have to make a consequential decision on what they're going to do with their quarterback to attack of Iloa. So the Miami Dolphins should not use the franchise tag on Christian Wilkins.
2: And we have now- – We have the power rankings, CC. We have the top uh, uh, two to go here in terms of the power rankings. CC, Dr. Canty in the house, giving all kinds of advice to all of his patients, these teams around the league, saying, don't do it. Don't do it. I know you're going to be tempted, but don't give this guy the franchise tag.
4: Don't give him the franchise tag. Do not do it. So keeping this thing pushing, number two. Number two. We got the Cincinnati Bengals, and they should not franchise tag T. Higgins. Now, T. Higgins is an awesome player. I mean, this guy is phenomenal. He's a number one receiver on most teams. He's just not a number one receiver for the Bengals. That belongs to Jamar Chase, and Jamar Chase has not been shy about wanting to get paid. He's going to want his bag. Now, he has to wait another year before he's contract eligible, but Jamar Chase is the guy that is going to get a whole lot of money from the Cincinnati Bengals at the wide receiver spot. I don't think you can afford to pay two wide receivers top-of-the-market money, and that's why I think the Cincinnati Bengals should franchise, uh, shouldn't franchise Tag T. Higgins because I don't think that is going to allow them to afford to do the things that they need to do around Joe Burrow this offseason in order to keep him better protected and take advantage, advantage of the window that you've opened up by hitting on the quarterback that you took with the number one overall pick several seasons ago. So, to me, the Cincinnati Bengals, as tough as this might sound, should not franchise tag T. Higgins. They should focus on trying to put talent around Joe Burrow, other talent around Joe Burrow in free agency to support him, to keep him upright first and foremost, and allocate those resources toward hanging on to Jamar Chase, and other guys that are going to be core guys in the foreseeable future. Another guy that's under the radar for the Cincinnati Bengals that's probably going to walk in free agency is Tyler Boyd, and that's going to hurt. But if you're a team that has an A-plus level quarterback, you shouldn't have to pay two wide receivers top-of-the-market money. So that's why the Bengals shouldn't franchise tag T. Higgins. Next.
1: Number one.
4: The Kansas City Chiefs. They should not franchise tag Chris Jones because they should franchise tag LeJarius Need. Like, I mean, of the of the two players, the priority has to be Chris Jones getting a contract extension during the franchise tag window, which frees you up to then tag LeJarius Need. It's a very complicated chance that teams have to do this time of year, where they have to consider franchise tagging one player and giving another guy a long-term extension. If you remember last year, the New York Giants did a similar thing with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. When the franchise tag window opened up, they used that as the de facto deadline to get a long-term deal done with one player and tag the other one. The Giants paid Daniel Jones, tagged Saquon Barkley. In this instance, the Kansas City Chiefs need to tag LeJarius Sneed, but they got to pay Chris Jones in order to free up the tag. And that's going to be an expensive contract. You're talking about Chris Jones getting $34 million a year because that's the high watermark for defensive players in the NFL. And Chris Jones is absolutely worth it when you consider what he's done in the playoffs and particularly in the Super Bowl. So that's the list. Top five players that teams should not use the franchise tag on. Chris Jones from the Kansas City Chiefs shouldn't be tagged. T. Higgins from the Bengals shouldn't be tagged Christian Wilkins from the Miami Dolphins should not be tagged. Saquon Barkley shouldn't be tagged from the Giants. And Mike Evans shouldn't be tagged from the Tampa Bay Bucs. Smalls, you are my accountability partner. Any objections, any omissions?
3: As always, CC love the list, but the one that sticks out to me is Saquon. I know that you're right, that from a putting the puzzle together perspective, it's probably not the best route for the Giants, especially because he's a year older and he's coming off a less, less productive season than he was when they tagged him a year ago. But it also just feels weird to think about this potentially being the end of the road between Saquon and the Giants.
4: It does. It absolutely does. But it's a running back. And the Giants felt like they were reluctant last year in negotiations for Saquon when they did have the tag on him. I don't think the general manager, Joe Shane, sees the value in in paying a running back top of the market money, Mm -hmm. which is what the franchise tag would amount to. Think about this. If the Giants tag Barkley for a second straight year, you're talking about two years, $23 million guaranteed. I don't think that they want to go down that road, especially with the injury history from Saquon and the dip in productivity.
2: What about this list? How many of them could you still see re-signing with their own team? You mentioned Chris Jones could still re-sign with Kansas City. Anyone else? T. Higgins with Cincinnati, Christian Wilkins with Miami, Saquon, Saquon with the Giants, Mike Evans with Tampa. Do you think all of them are gone, or could any of them re-sign with their respective teams?
4: Uh, I fully expect Christian Wilkins to re-sign with the Miami Dolphins. I fully expect Chris Jones to re-sign with the Kansas City Chiefs. I think everybody else is going on that list. I think Saquon's gone, T. Higgins is gone, Mike Evans is gone.
2: All right, rank them from the most to the least of those three, who Chris Canty would pay most to least. If you're a team and you're looking for a skill position guy, you have Evans, Higgins, and Saquon as impact players theoretically, different ages, different levels of experience, et cetera. Who's getting the most, second most, and then least out of that group?
4: Oh, I'm probably going to go with... Oh, this is the closest of margins, but I'm going to put some respect on his name. I'm going to go with Mike Evans over T. Higgins, and I know that wouldn't shake out like that once free agency starts just because of T. Higgins' age relative Mm -hmm. to Mike Evans, but I would go Mike Evans, T. Higgins, then Saquon Barkley, but the gap between number two and number three is the Grand Canyon. It's massive in terms of what I'd be willing to pay.
2: Yeah, it's funny that if you think back a year ago at this time, all of these running backs from Saquon to Josh Jacobs with the Raiders to Tony Pollard with the Cowboys were all fighting for their money. And we had a lot of conversations about that and then the value of the running backs. Unfortunately, those three this year actually proved to not pay running backs. The one, I mean, I hate to say it that way and it stinks for them. But the three guys that were trying to get top dollar proved that you should actually not pay guys top dollar at that position. And we've seen it over and over and over again. It is... The easiest position in the National Football League to find success and then replace success. It's the easiest one. Coming up, this guy has been called the most sensitive guy in all of football. He has something to say about his roster. We'll get to it next. It's on like presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio.
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Evan Canty and Michelle are
7: Unsportsmanlike. You should never go into a game like, I'm tired, like I'm ready to go home. Because that's exactly going to happen, and it did happen. I'm coming to the game every week like, man, I got four more weeks left. That's part of the culture and identity that I just feel like we're missing. You ain't got to tell us you want to change the culture. Show me what your actions, just change it. Because I would also bring up, in four playoff game appearances, he has one sack and zero
1: forced fumbles. I played around great players that Michael Parsons is supposed to be that. He's lacking leadership. He needs to go to a leadership school and learn how to lead by example and quit talking so much.
2: Bart Scott on Get Up said that Micah Parsons is the most sensitive player in the NFL. (laughs) Micah Parsons did an interview on the Stephen A. Smith show and revealed to us what advice he gave the general manager slash owner of the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones.
7: So I told Jerry, I said, look at every team that kind of was in that Final Four. Who do they have? Okay. Who did Baltimore have? A great linebacker core, right? Uh, who did San Fran have? Great linebacker core. KC. I said, we need to get us another, we need to get another bigger linebacker who's going to come down in. And I said, we need to get an, a super 330 nasty interior.
2: Okay. He also talked about the idea of changing the culture in Dallas.
7: When I feel like once that regular season ends and they get a the playoff, you're supposed to get rejuvenated. Like, this is a whole new me, whole new you. Like, we need to get ready... And that's part of that culture stuff where I was talking about where I where I wanna dive into the players that we gotta change. Like it 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 should never you should never go into a game like I'm tired, like I'm ready to, like I'm ready to go home. Cause that's exactly exactly gonna happen and it did happen. I'm coming to the game every week, like, man, I got four more weeks left. I don't know what y'all got, but I got four more weeks left. Like that's part of the culture and identity that I just feel like we're missing. Like that I would like that's just something like I don't agree with at all. Like Regular season, all right, yeah, I'm tired, like I'm wore out. But as soon as playoffs hit, knowing how limited and how hard it is to win in playoff game, I wouldn't I wouldn't I would never say I'm tired or I I feel fatigued because that's my job to not feel that way.
2: Well, that in response to what Demarcus Lawrence had to say about them kind of being worn out in the playoffs, um well we are lucky to sit next to somebody every single day who played uh what, four seasons for the Dallas Cowboys C mm. Your reaction to what Micah had to say?
4: I mean, does Michael Parsons talk to his teammate Demarcus Lawrence? <laughs> I mean, because it feels like that's something they that can get worked out in the locker room. They don't have to go on Stephen A. Smith shows to do it. Although we appreciate the stat, thank you for the ratings. I- I'm just simply looking at what he said in comparison to what Demarcus Lawrence said, and it's just it's it's clear that leadership, player leadership in the Dallas Cowboys locker room, is not on the same page. And if that's the case, then how can you ever compete for a championship? If everybody in that locker room, everybody in that building isn't aligned and has the same goals, the same priorities, and has the same vision in terms of how they're going to get there, then it's not going to work out. And that's how you have an uber-talented team routinely come up short in the big spots. For Tank Lawrence to come out and say that the team was overall burnt out and that they had tired legs once they got to the playoffs – made no sense to me whatsoever. Newsflash, everybody else in the NFL has to play a 17-game regular season. Everybody's tired. Everybody's beat up. Everybody's hurting. That's just the nature of the game. That's why winning a championship is so hard. But if you have a culture where guys aren't willing to be uncomfortable in order to get to where they want, you get the kind of results that we've seen from the Dallas Cowboys in the last three postseasons despite the team having tremendous regular season success. They've won 36 regular season games over the last three years. And guess what? It doesn't matter what they do in the regular season in 2024 because we're all waiting to see what happens when the games mean the most in the postseason. And the Dallas Cowboys will always come up short. And the biggest reason why has to be the culture. I don't even think you can use Mike McCarthy as the crutch or the excuse anymore. Like The game management issues didn't come into account when we talked about them getting the doors blown off them against the Green Bay Packers, that was just a team that wasn't ready to play. And from the commentary that's coming out of that locker room, I can see why you get those types of results. Because even the guys that are in the locker room that are supposed to be team leaders aren't on the same page.
3: But, CeCe, if we can't use Mike McCarthy as the excuse anymore, then who do we point to as the reason why the culture is what it is in Dallas? Because that's the, the what... The owner. The owner. And so, the owner? so this will supersede any coach, no matter who's out there on the sidelines, who's the coach of the Dallas Cowboys, who's the quarterback with the star on their helmet. As long as Jerry Jones is the owner, this is going to be the culture, is what you're telling me?
4: Yeah. I mean, as long as Michael Parsons can call Jerry Jones, hey, Jay, and, and say this is what I need and this is what I need to do, there's going to be a problem. Think about this, Smalls, for a second. You're going into 2024 with a lame duck head coach and currently a lame duck quarterback. Those are two leadership positions within any football club. And yet the best defensive player on the team, arguably the best player on the team in Michael Parsons, has a direct line of ownership. Why would Michael Parsons care about the authority, the leadership of the quarterback in Dak Prescott or the head coach in Mike McCarthy when he can just go to the guy that's signing the checks and have a direct line in terms of what he wants to do and his vision for how things should get done? even if they conflict with what Mike McCarthy wants to try to implement. Those are the things that concern me. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that there shouldn't be dialogue between players and ownership because it happens, but to be so candid and to be so open about your relationship and what you want to see happen this offseason from a personnel standpoint, from a culture standpoint, and have players say things to the contrary – that, that just feels like bad vibes, and I don't know how you can look at what's happened over the last several weeks since the Cowboys season ended and think that it's going to lead to a different result once we get to the 2024 season.
2: Here's the difference between the Dallas Cowboys and elite organizations all across sports. Elite organizations across sports have shows when it's done, not when it's going on. The last dance occurred 20 years later, we saw the show. The New England dynasty that's on Apple TV right now is from the 20 years that ended four or five years ago. What Jerry Jones has created is a show in the moment for the entirety of his ownership since Jimmy Johnson. The amount of coaches in and out, Parcells, Campo, Garrett, Wade Phillips, obviously now Mike McCarthy. This was the same storyline when Tony Romo was there or when Dak Prescott is there. It's a show in the moment. The great organizations have the show after the moment. We will see a show about the Golden State Warriors a decade from now. We'll see a show about the Kansas City Chiefs 15 years from now. We are watching and listening to the show about the Dallas Cowboys as it goes on. That's not the mark of a great organization. And there's one constant it's Jerry Jones. We can look at McCarthy, we can look at Dak. It's the same guy. He wants everything to be a show. And that's okay if your singular goal is to run the most profitable business you can imagine. Because it's, it's there. It's not the best way of going about winning a Super Bowl. And they have proven that over the last 20 plus years. 20, what, 27 years? 28 years? Mm-hmm. Whenever it was that they lost? I mean, yeah. even longer than that.
4: But, over a quarter century. Uh, let's just yeah. see that, that ballpark. Yeah, it's, exactly. a show,
2: it's a reality show, CeCe, in the moment, instead of a documentary after the fact.
4: Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous, and Jerry Jones continues to create this spectacle so much so that we don't know who the hell to listen to after a game. Should we pay attention to the press conference for the head coach, or wait until the owner, who is the de facto head coach and general manager? We should wait until he speaks because that's what we should pay attention to. Like, how can an organization function when when you don't know the voice to listen to? That that's the thing about leadership. You have to delegate responsibilities, and you have to empower those that you delegate. And it doesn't feel like Jerry Jones does that with his head coach. And he certainly hasn't done that with Dak Prescott. It it feels like he's put both of those individuals in the crosshairs when it comes to the criticism focused on the team. And I don't know how you get anywhere of substance, accomplish anything of substance, if you're doing that to your head coach and your quarterback, especially with the way that the NFL is today.
3: You don't know who to listen to, Cece, but you also don't know which message to listen to because everybody's talking and they're all saying conflicting things. I was tired. No, we weren't. Dak is the guy. No, he's not. This is what we need. No, we need this. Everybody is talking and no one is saying the same thing. There is no uniformity. There is no linear culture or linear ideals with the Cowboys. Everybody is about me, 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 what is best for me, not about what is best for we.
2: Kind of like a reality show instead of a documentary. Where the documentary has a, a, a beginning, middle, and end with a clear cut storyline, whether you like the storyline or not, or the point of view. But the reality show is this person speaks and that person speaks, and drama and chaos, and that's what the Cowboys are. You want the documentary, you don't want the reality show. The documentary means you've accomplished something, the reality show means you're a mess. It's real-world Dallas every single year, seven strangers (laughs) living in the same house together. We're Unsportsmanlike.
1: Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. This is
5: the story of the one.